I read some words that uh, are a part of the manual for the Peace Corps. And if you uh, know anything about the Peace Corps, sometimes they go into some pretty dangerous situations. And so there are a lot of instructions that are given to those who are going out on the field. And for those volunteers or for those who were serving to go into South America, there was this bit of instruction for those, uh, some advice for them on how to handle a chance encounter with an anaconda. (laughs) Yeah, mm, that's right. This is the list of instructions under the heading, What to do if attacked by an anaconda. (laughs) Number one, if you're attacked by an anaconda, do not run. The snake is faster than you are. Number two, lie flat on the ground. Number three, put your arms tight at your sides and your legs tight against one another. It's not sounding too good, is it? (laughs) Number four, the snake will begin to climb over your body. Number five, do not panic. (laughs) Hey, there's more. Number six, the snake will begin to swallow you from the feet end. Okay, just so you'll know which end it's coming from. Step seven, step six will take a long time. Step eight, after a while, slowly and with as little movement as possible, reach down, take your knife, and very gently slide it into the snake's mouth. Then suddenly sever the snake's head. Key word there, suddenly. (laughs) Step nine. Be sure your knife is sharp. (laughs) Step ten. Be sure you have a knife. (laughs) And on it goes. Now this this is an urban myth. It's a fictional account of probably some of the instructions that they get that are very similar. But I, I read these in something that John Ortberg had written. And uh, I just couldn't help but share it with you. It's, uh, it's an interesting set of instructions uh, for those who are getting ready to depart on a journey. Well, the words that you have just heard from the Gospel reading as well as from our Acts reading this morning are words of instruction that were given to a group of people who had a specific assignment in the world. And for the disciples, as they were there hearing these words, I'm sure they were just as scared as people walking out in the jungle where there are anacondas ready to uh, crawl all over them. And as they are hearing these words, they are hearing the last words of Jesus right before He ascends into heaven. But they are words that they had heard before. Jesus is really just recapping for them all that He had been teaching them as they would go up and down the highways and the byways of life and into the villages and into all different kinds of situations. Jesus was re-emphasizing here something that was so important for them. It is the instruction about what it is that they were to do. And not just what to do, but how to do it. And so as we look back at these two Scriptures that that we have heard this morning. We hear what it is that we are to do as well. If you look there at your Scripture about uh, the one in Acts, about Jesus ascending into heaven. The uh, words, I think we've got some words here on the screen for us as well. It says, when He had said this, as they were watching, He was lifted up, and a cloud took Him out of their sight. While He was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. Now that's kind of weird anyway, isn't it? If you're just out standing somewhere and two guys in white robes come and stand next to you, you'd be a little uneasy about that. Maybe that's happened to some of you, I don't know. But they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw Him go into heaven. 
Why are you looking up? You should be looking down. And the, this is the same idea that Jesus had been teaching and, and training the disciples in for all this time. Notice the emphasis here isn't, well, you should just stand here and watch and wait and He'll come back sooner or later. Just keep watching and forget about all this other stuff that's around you. Just keep your eyes focused on the skies. That's not what these two guys were instructed to say at all. Why are you looking up? Look down. There is work to do. And if we keep reading in this, gospel, in, in this account here in Acts, uh, we hear where these words are given, that you are to go and to be witnesses. And if we look over in the John account, we see where uh, the description here is of Jesus continued to speak to them about the kingdom of God and what it is that they were to do in the world. There was this continual emphasis about going, about doing, and about speaking. Jesus wanted them to understand what it is that they were to do. They were to be witnesses of His life, of His death, and certainly of His resurrection. This was their job. This was their mission. So many of these had been involved in all kinds of things. Most of them had been fishermen. You know, we, we know there was a tax collector. There were all kinds of trades that were represented here. But now their work was to be witnesses. This is what Jesus had given them to do. And so He wanted to make sure there was, there was no confusion about it at all. And we can see in the, the Gospel account of John, uh, and you'll be my witnesses. Okay, there we go. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. I, I was reading that this past week and just it kind of struck me in a way that it hadn't struck me before as I've read this particular verse. Jesus is praying to the Father. And He's saying, I have finished all of the work that You've given me to do. It's kind of interesting to consider that, thinking, really? I mean, there's so much more work to be done. Why didn't Jesus work at it longer than three years of His life? Why didn't He stay longer and do more? Couldn't more have been done if He'd stayed maybe three more years or ten more years? He says, I have finished the work that You have given me to do. And Jesus knew full well that His work was going to continue on in the lives of the disciples. It was their work to finish as well. But what a great thing to be able to go up to the Father in heaven, knowing that you have done all that God has given you to do in this life. And that's what Jesus said. I have finished the work that you have given me to do. And this was their work to do now. They knew what to do. Peter Drucker, who has written so much about business and finance and, and certainly uh, was able to, uh, to be highly successful in his own life, uh, always would start uh, board meetings and would always challenge other businesses with two questions. He would walk into the room and say, what's business? And number two, how is business? That it really just comes down to those two questions. It, it's really just that simple. And this became a, a defining framework for, for businesses and for, for organizations who were trying to understand who they were. He would point them back to their mission. What is it that we're to do? Are we to make widgets? Or are we to build buildings? What is our work? And not just what is it, but how's it going? Are we doing what we've been given to do? Well, Jesus is the expert on all of this. He trumps uh, Pete Drucker in every particular way in understanding what mission is all about. In just a little bit, Harry Rowland is going to talk to us a little bit about what it means to have a mission and to be missional. In fact, that's in his title. He's a missional specialist. And, and we all need to understand more and more of what it means to be missional. 
And what we're going to receive today in terms of this check is all about our purpose and our mission. And so he's going to come and share with us about that. But I would just remind you, as Jesus uh, ascended into heaven and, and the disciples were to not look up but to look down, the same thing is true for us. We are to look down. Not look down on people, but look down in terms of what's around us, what's under our feet, what's in our neighborhood. Who are the people who live right here in this Highland neighborhood? What are their needs? What are their challenges? What kinds of things can we as a church be able to help them with? These are questions that we need to ask. What is our work to do? How is it that we are to be witnesses, not just with our words, but with our actions in this community? And what is that work that we are to finish. So we'll understand more and more of what it is that we are to do. But just as important is how we do it. And that's what I want to focus in on here this morning. Jesus wanted them to understand how it is that their work was to be done. And the, uh, the hallmark passage on this is in Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 8, but you will receive power. I woke up this morning pretty tired. Uh, we had a, a long day yesterday. It was a fun day. We've had a long week of baseball. Jack's team made the uh, baseball championships, and so we spent uh, quite a few hours out at the ballpark this past week uh, as that was going on. And, and getting ready for the party and just all the things that were going on and going into this particular Sunday, I woke up uh, pretty tired. And I just, in my prayers this morning, just said, God, I can't do this today. I really can't do any of this that you have given me to do. I need your power. I need you to recharge my battery. And this is what Jesus is saying to the disciples. Go and wait. And as you wait, something great is going to happen. You will receive power from on high. And you will be my witnesses. Those two things go hand in hand together. It's not just what to do. It's how to do it. And this is what Jesus was instructing them. But there's something else that's here. It's not just about the Spirit. We're going to look at that more closely next week as we talk about Pentecost and the giving of the Holy Spirit. But there's something else that's here, and it's in, in John chapter 17 that we read earlier. Again, this is a part of Jesus' prayer. And now I am I'm no longer in the world, but they, they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name uh, that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. Again, you just read through this real quickly and you'll miss the significance of what Jesus is praying here. He's looking at His ragtag group of disciples. And, and you know they didn't always get along. You know Peter was always getting in trouble. He was always stirring things up. There had to be a little bit of competition here about you know, who sits at the right hand of the Father when the kingdom comes and, and all this other stuff. He's looking at them. And I'm sure he's a little bit worried about them. Father, protect them. Protect them, that they may be one, that they may not have division, or, or that they, when they have division, that they'll know how to deal with it and, and how to handle the conflict and the struggles and the challenges that are going to come their way. That they may be one as we are one. Now, who is we? We understand here Jesus is talking about the Father. He's talking about the Spirit. He's already mentioned the Spirit. And He's talking about Himself, this idea of Trinity, this or a better word for it is the triunity of God. God existing in community. Just think about that for a while. What is it like for God to exist in this sense of community? Well, it's a great model for them. And Jesus says, may they be one as we exist as one. What a powerful prayer. 
One thing I was thinking about yesterday is I was uh, leaning over the fence, uh, just looking out on the uh, outfield of, of Jack's team that was playing. And uh, this is a team that was undefeated all the way throughout the season and, and fought hard all the way through the championship. And uh, they didn't win yesterday in terms of numbers, but they won in every other way. It was just incredible to watch these kids play. And as I was watching them, really both teams, but of course our team was better. But as I, as I, was, watching, as I was watching our guys out there, I, I was just thinking about just the kind of season that they've had in the past year, how these, these uh, kids have played together for two years. And uh, they, they've learned, they've been through the drill. Their coach would have them out several times during the week practicing, just practicing, going over the basics and going over all the things that they needed to do. They knew what to do. There's no question. They knew about all the rules of baseball. They, they knew everything that was supposed to happen out there on the field. But the key to their success was how they did it. It wasn't just knowing what to do. It was knowing how to do it and how to do it as one unit. There were some real stars. A couple of these guys had hit, uh, one of them had hit nine home runs in this past season. It was just exciting to watch some of these that were superstars on the team. But it wasn't about the superstars. It was about them being one as they played out there. The same thing is true when the Mavericks uh, beat the Heat tonight. Uh, and that's going to happen. Wow! We can agree on something. The Saints aren't playing. But the, the key to the, whoever, well, as the Mavericks win tonight, it will be because they have played together as one. It's not about Dirk. It's, it's not about any of them as individuals. It's about them playing together as one. We need to hear that as well, don't we? As a church, especially as a brand new church, we still feel a, a close sense of proximity. I mean, physically, but I think we still feel that spiritually as well. As we are small enough to where we can know each other's names and we can get to know each other on a deeper level. But it is vital that as we continue on from this point that we understand how it is that we are to do what we are to do. We've been talking about what to do for a year. And we've been doing what we're supposed to do for a year. But let us not forget what Jesus has said here about the way that that is to take place. First of all, it comes from the giving of the Spirit. That as God pours out His Spirit upon us as a congregation, we are empowered to go out and to do great things. Putting on this summer kickoff is no small thing to do. We're going to get tired. We're going to be hot. We're going to have, hopefully like we had at our last party, so many people we can just barely handle the crowd. How are we going to do it? How are we going to begin a Christian financial services ministry? Uh, dealing with economic justice issues that are in this neighborhood and helping break the cycles of poverty in, certain, in people's lives right here in our neighborhood? How is it that we are going to be able to help children who are at risk in school to be able to understand and, and learn their multiplication tables and, and, and not only deal with the issues in the classroom, but how to help them with family issues that they're dealing with at home that affect how things go in the classroom? How can we do any of that? Well, we can't. Not unless we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us and upon us. Am I right? It's just not going to happen. We might as well just close up the doors and leave unless we have the Spirit of God empowering us to do our work. But secondly, it comes from this idea of unity. That we would be one. And that happens as we develop our community. Uh, we get together on Wednesday nights to have our common meal, which is always free, by the way. It's a great 
wonderful meal. It's usually way too much dessert, but that's okay. But as we get together, we just eat for 30 minutes. Somebody asked, well, you know, what else, what else are we doing? Well, we pray, we eat, and we pray. And we also love each other. So there's that idea of eat, pray, and love. That's really, it's just simple. But there's something beautiful and meaningful that happens when we get together and eat together. We just gather around homemade food and get to know each other. We talk and then we pray. It's a lot like what was taking place here as all of these guys that are listed, they go up and not just guys but, but women as well. They go up into this room and they begin to pray. They are one. And we know later things begin to happen. They begin to divide out in different ways but they were, they were living out Jesus' words at this point. They are one. And we are to be one as well. We have teams. We have groups. And, and I encourage everybody to get in one of those teams or in those groups because that's where you get to know each other. That's where you develop community. We are to be one. And that's not always easy. It, it requires work. It requires love. It requires the Spirit. But this is what Christ has called us to do and who He has called us to be. These are important words. Not just what to do, but how to do it. There's some interesting parting words that, that if you Google uh, final words or parting words, you'll come up with some, some stuff, uh, you know, some that I couldn't even repeat here. But um, some of those that I, I noted, uh, Henry Ward Beecher, the great, great preacher, uh, he says, uh, now comes the mystery. Those were his last words before he died. I, I think that's, that, that's a powerful phrase. Now comes the mystery. Uh, Beethoven, Dan. Uh, Beethoven said, Friends applaud. The comedy is over. <laughs> Could you explain that to us? I don't uh, somebody else said, they don't know if this is actually true, that he said, Pity, pity, too late. I don't know if that's true or not either. But Humphrey Bogart said, I should have never switched from scotch to martinis. Right, we could have told him that, right? Come on, Humphrey. Elizabeth Barrett Browning, of course, she would say something poetic right before she dies. Beautiful. That's what she said. And then uh, Custer uh, was known to say, uh, Indians? What Indians? <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not either. But Jesus, His last words, but they are still there. As He is ascending into heaven, He is praying to His Father. He looks down at His followers, those He loves so much. But they are still there. And we are still here. And we know what to do. And we know how to do it. Let's pray.